taking control of cryptocurrency, and more with Glenn Fleischman. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Text Expander by Smile, the makers of world-class software. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more and download your free demo. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, we're wrapping up our conversations with Glenn Fleischman, the Take Control author who has written a whole lot of new books and updated even more books during lockdown. This time, we touch on his cryptocurrency book, catch up with him on some of the other activities outside of being a Take Control author, and a whole lot more. Let's go right back and hear from Glenn. Yeah. I mean, I've got a chapter on it in the Mac security book because Macs, you know, it's a lot easier to install something unintentionally uh, or be guided through installing something malicious. So I have, a, you know, more, a whole chapter in there about kind of malware and, and antivirus and the other, um, you know, the gatekeeper controls, uh, because I think that's important to learn. It's useful for yourself, but it's also important to learn the kinds of scams and things that might afflict family members and, and people you know, because they'll maybe, if you're the smartest Mac person or the most informed Mac person, Apple person in your group, you're the one everyone's going to ask. So some of my books are, here's what you need to know to help other people because they're going to ask you. Um, I mean, that comes up for, uh, I should point out, there's a new feature that I, it's in the Apple ID book that I document it uh, fully, um, but Apple's now, ha Apple now is, this is a little confusing, but I think it relates to this sort of security issue is, um, there are four different kinds of account recovery now for, well, three and one coming for your Apple ID. And because Apple ID kind of ties us through all our systems, um, it's uh, Apple introduced this recovery key option or reintroduced, I should say, for Apple ID last year. And they did not explain it very well. And I contacted the company and I wrote about it, couldn't figure it out. And then recently I revisited it and they've slightly improved the explanation. So now I can recommend it for people in specific situations, but it's kind of like an anti-hijacking tool. So if you have normal recovery enabled for your Apple ID, uh, you uh, can go through a process if you can't log in and human beings at Apple review things you send and it takes a few days and it's a timed process. You might have to give them your credit card number uh, that you use with your Apple ID so they can validate it and do a, a charge authorization to check that it's legitimate. If you turn on recovery key uh, for this account recovery option for your Apple ID, then you only need the recovery key and I believe it's a phone number linked to your Apple ID to reset your account, reset your password or regain access if your account was locked by Apple for some reason for security purposes. And Apple can no longer help you, but you no longer have to wait. So the problem is, is if you lose your recovery key, your account is unrecoverable forever. But before it was unclear what circumstances uh, you would wind up using the recovery key in. And now I, I have, I've documented those. So that's one set of choices. And then Apple's also just added, you may have seen this iCloud data recovery service, which is a hilarious name. You can appoint uh, trusted contacts who uh, in the event you can't log into your Apple ID account, Apple can text them a code that lets you unlock your account. Uh, and it, gains you access to stuff that's stored at iCloud.com. It won't unlock your devices, so your devices could still be locked up, but you wouldn't lose access to your Apple ID. And then they've also are about to add digital legacy, which they announced at WWDC earlier this year, and it looks like it might be coming in 15.1, but it's a way of essentially appointing executors for your iCloud account. 
So when you pass on, these people will have the ability to continue to access data in your iCloud account, where before Apple's stated policy in their terms and services was when you die, you can no longer have an Apple ID account. And if they discover you've died, they'll delete it. Uh, so that's a big 180 on that. So these are other things. I think they relate more to like um, account security because you could get locked out and also sort of integrity and privacy is you have to think about who you might want to give permission and how you store this data. But it's it's kind of, I think, exciting updates in Apple ID management and access that um, that have been added throughout. Well, I should say they're an iOS and iPad OS. Um, Monterey will have iCloud uh, data recovery and the digital legacy will be coming to all three operating systems as well. The, the backend support you need to manage it. The di digital legacy thing is, I mean, that's, that's ne been needed for a while and I'm glad they know, found, figured right? out a way to do it. Um, yeah. you know, somebody might say, gee, losing control of my Apple ID is not that big a deal. Well, yeah, it is a big deal because that, that controls your access to your Apple care that, and how about all the, all the movies and all the music you might yeah. have purchased and all those things, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you've you come to realize that you've got a nice little piece of change sitting in there in digital assets that if you lose it, well, then it's gone and you have to start to rebuy. And who wants to do that? That's so exactly it. And it's, I mean, that's, I'm glad they added it. And I'm glad that uh, it's, I think it's probably one of the most straightforward features I've ever seen Apple add. So like uh, iCloud, again, this name cracks me up. iCloud Data Recovery Service is such a Microsofty name. I, I like it so much should be like, you know, recover with your friends or something. It should, it yeah. should have an easier name, but when you go into the service, it's like, okay, here's what it's about. Click here and you can add trusted contacts, only add people you really trust. Here's exactly the data that they would help you get access to. And here's what they can't and uh, click here and invite them. And then you're done. And it's just this little, very nicely presented well laid out, well thought out process. And it's the kind of the model of how you would want a new feature to appear. Uh, and it looks like digital legacy, I think is going to work from what I can tell because they've put some pieces of it up uh, that aren't live, but you can, there's like a website you can go to at apple.com. That's their digital legacy website. You just can't do anything there yet. And it's, uh, and there's like some support documents linked to that are not published yet, but they're, you can find the links. Uh, so it's, it's almost ready to go, but it'll be pretty much the same thing. So it's not this, legal process. You don't have to spend, you know, uh, five hours or get notarization. And it's not a complicated thing where you'll look at it and be confused and, you know, give up on it. It looks like, I think they've thought these out really well for the, for the average person, which is, and that's why I was thinking about the things you learn so you can help other people like the, the, uh, iCloud data recovery service. I think anybody with goodwill should offer to be added by any relative or friend or person who they feel like no, doesn't have the computer chops, might get themselves in this situation or anybody reaches out and says, Hey, can you be one of my trusted contacts? Uh, I've been locked out of my Apple ID before it was a pain. You go, Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and then that's just a thing that you can do for people, uh, that doesn't involve, you know, 15 hours of your time. Again, it's just, you can, you get a code and you give them the code and they can unlock their account. Yeah. Glenn, one thing I, before we leave this, I want to make sure we yeah. know, are those options mutually exclusive? Or can you implement them all? Can I designate you for a digital legacy and um, Joe for, you know, my friend that has my key? And uh, let's see, I forget now what the other one was. <laughs> um, well, the, and so it's interesting. It's, it's personal. It's I, what I would say is there's, there are two choices for account recovery that are essentially personal. That's recovery key, sort of Apple human-based recovery. So that's one layer, but that's about you and stuff, you know, there's, right. 
The second layer is while I'm alive, <laughs> people who can help me. And the third is after I'm, I'm gone, people can have access. So it's interesting because they've kind of given you a life cycle and a, a friend circle for account access. And I think that's kind of neat too. It's a different way from thinking that Apple usually does. So uh, if you choose the recovery key, that's something you would possess and keep private because it would give you complete access to your account. The sort of friends recovery is iCloud data recovery service is I need help getting into my Apple ID, but it only unlocks stuff that's synced and available at iCloud.com. It doesn't give you access to devices. And then the digital legacy is after I'm gone, I would point at people, but yeah, you can, for the, for the sort of the friends recovery and the digital legacy, uh, the same person can be in those groups. They don't have to be the same set of people, but the same people can be in both those groups. Right. And I, I didn't even think to mention, uh, that when we're talking about the iCloud, uh, part that that's where all your photos are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's maybe even more important than any money you've spent in the, uh, in the iTunes or, or app stores. Yeah, because, right, so I mean, that first tier, like if you lose access to your Apple ID account, you lose purchases, you lose your iCloud content, you lose anything associated, your Apple Care record, like everything, right? And then the next level down is like you lose access to iCloud is kind of like, you know, it's photos, contacts, calendar entries, like anything you don't have synced locally, um, there's going to be unique content or, you know, something like that. Like you could have all your devices stolen and you need to be able to set up a new account practically. So some stuff that's only in devices, that's end-to-end synchronized, like iCloud Keychain, those won't be recoverable if you don't have one of your devices, but you won't lose everything. You'll have everything that's synced through iCloud.com you would be able to recover. I want to go off script for a second and ask you, one. uh, there's only one question that I want to ask you, and then I'll let you answer it however you want. Take control of (laughs) cryptocurrency, okay? Yeah. Who is this book for? Is it for someone that needs it explained? Oh. Do you give investment advice? Um, what, what, who, who should look at that book hard? Well, I, this is a, that's a great question because I try to market it as uh, if you don't want to invest in cryptocurrency and everyone's telling you to, this book will help you understand why you don't want to invest in it. So it's, it's, okay. it's not a don't it's, it's, I've actually talked to Joe about maybe we should. So I started writing the book in the spring when Bitcoin was at $60,000 a piece and I wasn't writing it because like, oh, this is a good investment. But I thought there's so much interest in it. People are asking me all the time about it. I should just write a book because I know a fair amount and I'll learn the rest and I'll synthesize it. And then I can say here, here's everything you need to know. If you're thinking about investing or you don't want to and you want to know why you shouldn't like you th- think it's a scam or you think it's makes no sense, but you want to be able to explain it to yourself and maybe other people. So I started from that standpoint. Then what happened of course is Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the other cryptocurrencies like fell by 50% and people were less interested in the answers because they weren't looking to invest. They lot people lost money, whatever. So I would say this book is skeptical about the current utility of cryptocurrency. I don't offer investment advice but I give you all the tools to understand how it works because I do strongly believe that cryptocurrency will be an important part of the economy in the future, but I don't think speculative currencies or currency stored value systems that are tied to nothing but themselves like Bitcoin that have no inherent value. I don't think those are going to be very important. I think those are always going to be a sideline. I could be wrong, but I don't feel, I think there, it has never been proven to me that, 
there's the stability you need for a currency. It's more like buying, it's not even like buying gold. It's more like buying comic books, right? Comic books are worth what people want to pay for them. And if people suddenly get uninterested in comic books, then they're worth less, right? And and that's actually a physical thing, but it, its value is completely dependent on interest. So, you know, you buy gold, gold has had some preservation of value over time, even though it's volatile at times. Um, but so, <laughs> so I, I think of this as a book where you think, I don't think I want to invest in cryptocurrency. Why? And this book answered the question. But if you did want to invest in it, I think the book would also give you enough tools to know where to look next. So it would tell you all the basics and fundamentals so you would understand it and make informed judgments. Now, I've been joking with Joe that I should do a second edition like next year that's explicitly like take control of not cryptocurrency it would be all the would be like it's a terrible <laughs> idea and you shouldn't just take i take a strong advocacy stand but i'll tell you the funniest thing chuck is i bought about 300 dollars worth of cryptocurrency early this year uh in order to have a little bit of a stake and i needed to have some stuff to trade um because i was you know using the tools and it wasn't all bought at 300 dollars. well here's the funny part recently i was like oh i should just liquidate that i don't really want to hold it and it was sort of experimental i wonder how it did I made a hundred dollars in cryptocurrency. So I made a 30% return and I'm like, Oh no. And so I'm never going to get involved in it again, but I, I'm the worst example. It's like, I put $300 in, I got $400 out. Damn it. Did I just, <laughs> cause I you bought it different to lose times. <laughs> oh yeah. If I've gone even, I would have been happy, but like, I am not a lesson to draw from, you know, the lesson from that isn't, Oh, I should have put a million dollars in as if I had a million dollars. The lesson is it's extremely volatile. And I didn't know until I did meticulous accounting even how much I'd made or lost in the process of investing and divesting. So this edition of Mac Voices is supported by Smile, the makers of Text Expander, my most used productivity utility. Smile has just released Text Expander 7 with a new look, improved experience, and better accessibility. Not only is Text Expander my most used utility, but these new improvements will make it even more users' most used utility. The new user interface delivers a more unified user experience. Updates to snippet suggestions means the text expander is even better at helping you identify what you type frequently and suggesting that a snippet should be in your future. Updated conflict management, upgraded search results, and a whole lot more make Text Expander 7 the best text expander yet. If you're not using Text Expander, it's way past time. Visit TextExpander.com slash podcast right now to sign up for a free trial. You will be up and running in a few minutes, and soon you will wonder how you ever did without TextExpander. That's TextExpander 7 from Smile, the makers of world-class software at TextExpander.com slash podcast. Thanks to Smile for being the longest-running sponsor of Mac Voices. Well, I, I, have to, I had to ask simply because I've had people ask me about it too, and what really kind of when it when it really caught my attention is when I went to the grocery store and I see one of those uh, Coinstar machines and it says oh, I can yeah. get my my coins back in oh, cryptocurrency and it's like okay you know no. so 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 if you you know well but you need to understand it if you want to play with it go and you know it's yeah it's no worse exactly. than Vegas you know throw throw a couple hundred dollars in yeah. and play with it but recognize that you could lose it tomorrow or you know you That's maybe great. make a thirty percent return you know but I mean, I think there's a fundamental thing at this point is there is kind of a baseline in many cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and the major ones is that there's enough people who put enough stake in it. You know, it's Bitcoin is not going to go down to zero. And I shouldn't say that Bitcoin could go down to zero if there was a major technical flaw or a complete 
technical destruction of the system because the system relies on peers participating. Bitcoin is a is like a consensual participation peer-to-peer networking system with all these nodes that talk to each other and exchange information. And then all these miners who actually put in the computational power and they feed it into these nodes. So th- there are scenarios in which Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrencies could absolutely fail because they're reliant on these underpinnings. But but in it's very unlikely that would happen. It's Bitcoin could be worth a lot less. It could be worth a lot more. It's unlikely to go to zero. So you couldn't be totally wiped out, but you know, you can have 90% of your investment wiped out or maybe 95% or you can make a hundred percent return, but you're right. It's like Vegas. Like what's the difference between Bitcoin if you're looking at it as an investment? Um, so the thing I think I'm most hip on though is stable coins, not the existing ones either. These are coins that are pegged to real world currency and they use crypto coin as a method of providing an easy exchange, like international or cross boundaries. And people have talked about uh, stable coins as being a way, uh, like if the US government were to release a US dollar coin and a dollar of crypto US dollar and real US dollar were always redeemable for a dollar, right? You can take one out. It would be a, it could be a far cheaper way to say, do there's a, you know, multi, a hundred billion dollar remittance system globally as uh, migrant workers, people leave one country for another or inside a country, send money back home. It's a massive, massive amount of money. And uh, the uh, percentage that's taken from people, uh, the the World Bank and the United Nations have been working diligently for years to reduce it. And it has gone down several percentage points in the last, uh, I think, 15 years. But it's still, you know, a huge amount of money is taken from people who are giving cash so that people at the other end can get cash out. And there's a fundamental unfairness in the banking system that allows this to happen. So what I'm passionate about is, could you have a totally stable cryptocurrency system that's backed uh, cryptographically for security and safety that is not um, that doesn't have the volatility and has a high utility? And I think, yeah. But at the same time, like China wants to introduce a digital uh, renminbi or yuan because it wants to know exactly who's spending every cent where. And they think a digital currency will give them the ability to do that. So, you know, there's a flip side to all of this. Yeah. Well, and it's why you need to, even if you're not thinking seriously about even playing with it, you need to understand why it's important in today's world. And that's yeah. that's why I wanted to ask about the cryptocurrency book because it it just, there's so many articles out there and Usually after about the third paragraph, you just hit your head starts to swim and knowing how you write and everything. I I know that this has got to be a book that helps me make a lot more sense of it. Well, I I appreciate that. I try to use some, you know, real world metaphors for something that's hard to to relate to. And there's, you know, obviously a lot of cryptography in it. And in my level of understanding, the cryptography is still, you know, several floors down from the people who are actually cryptologists and work with it. But I, I think I have a good working knowledge of the major systems now. And, um, you know, so the book, you know, I get into all the environmental issues as well and uh, the potential for change, reduction in in environmental harm. Um, But yeah, I think it's, and it's really written for somebody just like you, it's written for me or, you know, my my friends too. Like, what, what is this? What is this? How does it work? And does it make any sense? And, you know, the kind of the answer is it, it makes sense from a mathematical standpoint. It makes sense when you understand why, People want to have a system that's decoupled from re- trust. They want to have math replace trust in another person. They want everything that's done to be verifiable and uncounterfeitable. But the problem is with something like Bitcoin is that it just hasn't played out that way because 
the majority of mining capacity, the people actually producing the new currency and turning transactions into immutable parts of the blockchain so that they're recorded forever and can't be changed, right? The folks doing mining control enough of the system now in most of the, in most of the currencies, and some they control practically all of it, that the you, you have to trust those people. Anybody who has majority or can produce a, a cabal or a consortium that has majority control over the capacity of making transactions permanent in a system control the currency. And, and that is a fundamental thing that the initial Bitcoin paper described a world in which that wouldn't be the case. And what's happened is we have a world where that is. So, you know, if we were in a perfect world and there was nobody could ever amass more than five or 10% control of any currency's transaction production, like putting them into permanent records, uh, then maybe we'd have a whole different attitude. It'd be much less volatile too. It's whenever we get those pesky humans involved that things, you know, get crazy. Know. So. Uh, I know. I it's know. Bitcoin is trying to route around human beings and it doesn't work because human beings are always involved. <laughs> we, we are a persistent bunch, aren't we? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to run down the roster again. Take control of Find My and AirTags. Take control of iOS and iPadOS privacy and security. Take control of your Apple ID, third edition. Take control of securing your Mac. Take control of M-Series Mac. Take control of coming, cryptocurrency. Update coming soon. Oh, update the coming soon. Mac coming soon. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Um, take control of cryptocurrency and take control of Zoom second edition. Um, folks, if it, it, if you are have any interest in any of these topics, takecontrolbooks.com is where you go to get them. And I'm not even going to try to go through prices and everything because there are all kind of um, bundles and discounts okay. and up, upgrades. So just visit takecontrolbooks.com, check them out. Even at retail price, these are great, great values because they cover each of those topics in depth in a way that you can understand, and especially with Glenn writing them. And uh, I'll tell you, I know uh, sometimes we talk about my other stuff and I thought you might enjoy something I did this Please. weekend is I uh, I got together with some other, um, I am not a trained printing historian. I've taught myself, uh, you know, on the street, the streets, all my uh, type and printing history stuff. And um, I've become friends with a lot of people who are actually the bona fide, uh, you know, PhDs and teach and have access to major collections. And so um, that's been fun. It's a great and very welcoming community, this kind of early book and print history world. And so we had something called a flong party a few days ago, which you can find on YouTube, the replay of it. And I got together with a few other people and we'll probably do it again with another group where we took, there's a piece of printing history. I think I've mentioned, here's a, I think you will love this. If you can, is it in focus? I can't tell. Yeah. It's a uh, peanuts. It's a peanut strip from the uh, 1970s. And what it is, is this is called flong F L O N G. And what flong is, and this is a four color separation for those who remember the printing days. There's four pieces of what seems like cardboard, each of which, which is a separate color. And so flong was the thing that was a way that uh, newspapers got syndicated co uh, comics. These are cast in metal. And then they look something like this. Here's a Doonesbury strip from the 1970s. They'd get the piece of paper molding, then they'd cast it in metal. Then they would lock it up in a page of type. Then they would make another paper mold from that, cast that in a semicircle, and put that on a newspaper press. It's an amazing process. But these flongs, or also called uh, mats or matrices, um, because they were molds, uh, 
they've mostly been discarded because they had no real value. And anyway, it's, there's enough of them out there. I've been collecting limited examples. I do not have a big basement and I'm, I'm not trying to mass a collection, but I've been collecting things like full pages of newspapers. I have a newspaper from, you know, pages from 1947 and uh, they used to distribute clip art. You know, we always got clip art when you're doing layouts of things. Clip art was sure. distributed as flongs and you'd cut it up and you'd cast it in metal and you'd put it in metal with the rest of your page and that would be part of your newspaper page. You're like, oh, of course, they had clip art before there were photostats and digital files. And anyway, so a bunch of us got together and we shared our flaw. Everyone had very interesting kinds. One person has reproduced the process. All It requires a lot of different machines to make it. And there, none of those really exist anymore. And he's figured out a way to do it. And anyway, if you go on to, uh, if you go and search on Flong and Glenn Fleischman and uh, show and tell perhaps on, uh, on YouTube, you'll find it. But we had a good time. And uh, this is part of my printing history background some of which you'll see uh on walls behind me some examples very cool Glenn. very cool this is why you want to read books that are written by glenn fleischman because he just has this insatiable curiosity about everything and i and i, I love it i love it I've, I've learned so much from you and even things that i'm really not that interested in i still learn them from mm -hmm. you because you know they're they're in there and it's you, you've just something as simple as i mean sure yeah who didn't read peanuts in the seventies and who didn't look read Doonesbury. And, you know, you just think, okay, it's a, it's a comic. You'd never appreciate what it goes, what goes into getting that to you. And here's the great thing is because we live in the future, I went on eBay and I bought a copy of that comic in, uh, of, from 1977. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. I wanted a print version of it and you know, you can find it online, but it's perfect. I wanted to see how it was printed. So you just go on eBay and it's like, Oh, where is the, this, you know, can I get this page? It's like, sure. Someone just has it. And they sell it to you for a few dollars. It's just a very, it's a weird economy where we think of ourselves as very digital. And I could instantly bring up the digital version, but atoms are also pretty easy to get these days too. A lot of old atoms. <laughs> there, okay. There's a new t-shirt. Atoms are pretty easy to get. That, that's it's true. Good. This is the, my, my antidote to cryptocurrency is buying a 1977 <laughs> printed newspaper page of peanuts. That's, that's it. The fact that you need an antidote to cryptocurrency says something, Glenn. <laughs> it's, I was getting cryptocurrency poisoning. It's like kryptonite yeah. poisoning, just only less <laughs> severe. Hey, you've been very generous with your time, as always. Thank you so much. Thank okay. you for the books. Oh, and gosh, thank you such for, a pleasure. For, for everything. This is always a blast. You know you're always welcome. The biggest trick for us is Thanks. to get our scheduling together, because um, we never have a, any <laughs> well, trouble talking about things. I'll, uh, I'll have some more time coming up since I've written my nine books or whatever. I think I, like I said, I have nine books that take control and some of them update uh, on Apple schedule and some others. I've still got, so still coming are take control of uh, Wi-Fi networking security and uh, take control of home security cameras. And then, like I said, the M uh, series MacBook is coming out soon. Now that we know uh, what Apple's shipping, I'll be updating it for that and any other Monterey changes. So that'll be coming out. But yeah, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a hoot and I love it. And I love the feedback, you know, as everyone watching, I love your feedback. This is what makes me do it. When people write and say, this helped me or um, that tip, I've been looking for the answer and you had it. It's like, then I'm just, you know, I'm good for another year. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, um, you forgot to take control of flong. I'm sure that's coming along here somewhere. <laughs> It's good. I've, I'm trying. I'm trying to. It's all over, all around me. You can't see it, but I'm surrounded by old wood pulp uh, molds. But they're uh, they're fascinating. <laughs> so, if, if people do want to get get in touch with you, what are the best ways? Where can they be? Where can you be found? 
Oh, that's a great question. Twitter is often the best because you can just at me there. It's at Glenn F G L E N N F like Frank. Uh, and, um, it's not that I don't give out my email address, but I, I think it may be better to go to, uh, if you have Mac or iOS questions, go to macworld.com and look for the Mac 911 column, because then that goes into a special queue that I will see. So it won't get lost in spam or, you know, get lost in the flood of other stuff. And then I can answer it. If it's a, you can tell me if it's a Mac question or iOS question for Mac world, or if you're just trying to reach me, uh, then I am sure to see it. If you hunt Perfect. hard enough, some people do find my actual email address, but then again, it gets lost in the maelstrom. So it's a little, uh, not always as, as useful. <laughs> Glenn, thank you so much. It's great to see you. Uh, I look forward to our next conversation, wherever we can squeeze it in. Oh, it's great. to Thank you so much for having me on. Chuck, it's always great to talk to you. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Once again, take control books for all of all the books that I mentioned that Glenn wrote, plus all the other great take control authors. These are the books you want if you're trying to learn how to do things or want to understand them or want to definitely understand why not to invest in cryptocurrency. Until the next time, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.